Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, listeners, Kevin and I need your help. Yes, we need your help. Please, please, please. We need your stars. We need your reviews, you guys, on iTunes so we can start to climb those iTunes rating charts. It's simple. Open iTunes, click on the iTunes store, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Then click on Ratings and Reviews under the Customer Reviews Click write a review, then let us know what you think from one to five stars. If you need some help, think of one star being Carol Channing and Paul Lynn in the road company of the last five years, <laughs> and five stars being free front row tickets to Hamilton. <laughs> Although, when you think about it, I actually would give five stars to the road company of Carol Channing and Paul Lynn in the last five years, because I think that would be uh, awesome. I would love to hear, can I hear moving too fast as Paul? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the one I really want. She's a shakes the goddess. <laughs> And through Erica Schwartz and Danica Weiss and the Handelman twins. So there you go. You can also leave a comment if you like. That's it. That's their reviews. It. Send us Thank your you. reviews, Please. friends. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain and on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And we are also excited to announce that you can listen to us on Broadway radio now. Ooh, how fancy for us. (laughs) Our guest today is one of Broadway's best-known gypsies, having appeared in the Broadway musicals of, ready for this list? Here we go. No Strings, Nowhere to Go But Up, Golden Rainbow, Dear World, Applause, On the Town, Pippin. And Avita. I Did mean, I forget any, Lawrence, or is amazing. that it? I don't think so. I feel well, good about that. Plus, countless TV specials for Craft Music Hall with Margaret, Ann Bancroft, and many, many Ed Sullivan shows. Nightclub acts with Juliet Prowse, Raquel Welsh, and Ginger Rogers. Now, our guest was one of the most in-demand dancers in the industry until a car accident came along. To tell us about his 50-year career in musical theater and how he triumphed over adversity is the brilliant Lawrence Merritt. Lawrence, thanks for coming on today. Yay! You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I, ha- I have to tell you, um, we Kevin and I just worked with Lawrence on a concert yep. uh, at Feinstein's 54 Below, where Lawrence sang uh, Broadway Baby and received a rousing Standing ovation, instant, an, standing an, an ovation. instantaneous standing yeah. <laughs> ovation before the last note was cut off. Yeah, Lawrence, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? Uh, I was about thirty nine when I woke up this morning, but <laughs> when I go to bed tonight, I'll be one hundred and thirty nine. I'm seventy eight. I will be seventy nine in Thanksgiving. All I'm right. a turkey baby. We are, <laughs> go- we are going to post this video of Lawrence singing. Uh, there is not one sign of seventies, sixties, fifties, forties. Lawrence is a man still in his twenties, and we love everything about <laughs> it. I must also say that Lawrence was kind enough. Uh, Lawrence complimented my tie, uh, which was a knit Absolutely. tie. Yeah, and no one ever compliments my fashion choices. <laughs> Except Lawrence, and I appreciate that. You really and took Lawrence, that to heart. I, I, yeah. you know, I really and did. I and gave Lawrence, him one. Yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence gave me the next performance a knit tie, a what? beautiful peach knit tie, Aww. which I still wear. So for that, Lawrence is my favorite thing. <laughs> so Lawrence, where are you from originally? Okay, uh, I'm from, basically I'm a country boy. I was born up near Schenectady, Saratoga, Albany, mm-hmm. but out in the country. I mean, there was the Four Corners, a uh, little yellow school bus picked me up and a couple of other people on the way. It took us to the small village where I went to school for 12 years. So I lived at one end of an apple orchard, and at the other end, my cousin and his brothers and sisters and my 
grandmothers. They lived, and they lived right next to a lumber yard with a pond that we all skated on. So I'm from a country. How did musical theater come into your life then? When I was four or five, before my twin sisters were born, there was no TiVo, no videos, no computers, no nothing. So what you did, you went to the movie. And my parents liked to dance, they liked music, and so we went to the movies. So I saw Carmen Miranda, Sonia Henney, and Fred and Ginger. And I would sit next to my mother in my own. And later on, I was thinking, you know, when I did Raquel Welch's act, we did When My Baby, When My Baby, Go Smiles at Me, I Go to Rio. I ended up wearing ruffled sleeves again. This time they were made by Bob Mackey. I have pictures. (laughs) I have pictures. Anyway, in Rio, but uh, <laughs> full circle. So it was like, okay, that's a. I, I, if I had had brains enough at that point when I was, you know, five or six or seven, I would have realized that I was going to grow up to be this crazed gypsy person. But my naivete, I think, is what saved me. Yeah. You know? When you got to New York, do you remember the first Broadway show you saw? Uh, actually, I saw a Broadway show when I came down on a bus trip with the Library Club. We saw Pajama Game with oh. Janice Page and John, John Ray. Wow. And Carol Haney. What a good one. Doing Steam Heat. You know, and then again, the first week, I moved to New York on my 18th birthday. So, you know, you had to sign up for the selective yeah. service, you know, which is a really fun, fun day. You know, you're in this huge place and everybody's walking around naked except for their DVDs. It's like, oh, this is cute. And so, yeah, no, I studied. In fact, I, I went, there was a place on 46th Street called Variety Arts. Famous, famous studio. Bob Fosse had one studio, which is his good luck studio where he did all his shows there. And I took Afro-Cuban. Oh, it's like, not? oh my God, I've got hips. You know, contract, can release, you know. And so I took lessons there with a wonderful black man who who used to run Catherine Dunham's school when she was on tour in Europe with her troupe making movies with Silvana Mangano and all you know these Italian starlets whatever and he was just lovely you know and so I took class with him bits and pieces I took a couple of classes at the old Met with Anthony Tudor I took some East Indian classes with Beatrice Craft and uh, you know I got a job as a waiter got a job in a gay bar and you know as a waiter and then as a bartender made lots of money and then finally I thought well you know you're being really stupid you came to New York City to be a dancer you need to get your act together so I decided that I would lose a little weight I was never fat or overweight, that I would start taking classes seriously, and then I would start auditioning. So I started taking classes, a few with Luigi, who was very famous, who I loved dearly, but I also studied with Matt Maddox, who was a Jack Cole dancer. Jack Cole, yeah. And I guess we should talk about Matt right now. I'm tall, 6'1", as you can see. And I have long arms, and, you know, I'm a knuckle dragger. You know, I got gorilla arms. And he taught me to be able to control my body. You know, they went, well, you know, the short boys can get down on their knees on the floor in one count. It's like, really? Watch. You don't know who you're dealing with. So I could do that. And he's the one who taught me how to do that and how to isolate and do all that. Mm. Because Jack Cole was a direct descendant of Ted Sean. Ted Sean was married or whatever with Rue St. Dennis, a very famous woman dancer. And they had the Dennis Sean schools of dance. And he used to have a troupe of men up in the woods in Maine, I believe, that danced naked every day and took classes. (laughs) Jack Cole was one of them, I believe. Jack Cole then became and had studied East Indian and Spanish Mm -hmm. and all that. And Matt Maddox was in Jack Cole's troupe. And Ron Field, who I did Broadway shows with, was in Jack Cole's troupe. And Ron Lewis, who I did my first Latin Quarter show with, was in Jack Cole's troupe. And so I studied with Matt every day. And his technique was a direct derivative of Jack Cole. Wow. Mm. So I consider myself very honored to have been, you know a leaf that dropped off of that sort of family tree. We've talked you know? about, uh, just for our listeners, the important legacy of Jack Cole, that even though a lot of people 
may not know the name. It's not as familiar to some people as Jerome Robbins or or Michael Bennett. But Jack Cole really, you know, we do my favorite things on it. But it, he really was the reason why we have a lot of the, the famous choreographers today. So yeah, so I started auditioning and I studying, and I got the first thing that I got was St. Louis Muni Opera. Oh yeah, which they is still handed around. me. A contract and went, oh, join Actors' Equity. That was 1959. I'm still a member. Um, now, very very quickly, though, when you were auditioning, do you remember what your audition song was, your standard go-to? No, because you usually you danced. You danced oh. mostly, unless they wanted you. Because they usually had, in St. Louis, they had a, a dancing chorus, excuse me, uh, and a singing chorus. Gotcha. So you, always, you went for the dancing chorus, usually. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there were nine boys. One was a swing. And I think 16 girls. And most of them, half of them were from St. Louis, the Midwest. And the ones who left and came to New York City, within a week and a half, they almost all of them got Broadway shows. They were brilliant. You know, they've been doing it since the Kitty Chorus in Babes, you know. So it was great. You know, it was 103 degrees in the shade, but it was a million. I mean, the first show was with a guy who had been in movies, Anthony Dexter, who had done several remakes of Valentino movies. Oh, nice. Oh. But he played uh, The King and, uh, why can't I think of it, Patricia Morrison. Oh, yes. Who had taken oh, yeah. over the part on Broadway, did Anna in wow. Anna and the King and Siam. Patricia which, Morrison was the first Lily in yeah, Kiss Me Kate. Yes, yes. And yes, still with yes, us. Yeah. And still very much she with is, us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, shaved chest, much body makeup, you know, playing East Indian dancers. But whatever. <laughs> you know, Little Abner. Uh, you know, Groverdale came in and did the original Michael Kidd choreography. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, Carmen. Hello. What you a know, season. Uh, yeah. yeah you know, uh, bells are ringing. You know, uh, what? Do, oh, call me Madam with Penny Singleton, who was the original Blondie on Dagwood and Blondie. Yeah. And then your first Broadway show was No Strings, right? Right. right. So I had done, I did St. Louis. I came back. The guy said, I want you to be the lead Indian dancer in Annie Get Your Gun at Paper Mill Playhouse. Okay, fine. And then I did the Latin Quarter. Then I auditioned and I got No Strings. And just to step back for our listeners, what was the Latin Quarter? No, I don't think I know what that okay. is. Two major nightclubs in New York City, the Copacabana, oh, the Copa, okay. yeah, and the Latin Quarter. The Latin Quarter, if you know where Tickets is, mm-hmm. between 47th and 48th, between 7th Avenue and Broadway, you look up to the second floor, you will see the Olive Garden. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly where the Latin Quarter was. Right it was run by Lou Walters, who was the father of Barbara Walters. Wow. Every year we have a reunion, and we have it at the Olive Garden. No way. <laughs> so these the wide stairs were at, on 48th Street. You walked upstairs. The maitre d' sat you at a table. This, the, the stage was back in the back. And then the dressing rooms were on the side where the tickets booth is. That end, you know, it's part of a big hotel now, you know. And I remember we all went in our, you know, opening number costumes, New Year's Eve, and went up to the roof, which was three stories and flat, and watched the, you know, millions of people in the ball drop. And then wow. went down and did a show for the drunks, you know. <laughs> so, you know. That's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it was great. So it was a very famous, you know. And they uh, hired dancers to perform. They, there were four boys, Ron Field. Oh. Choreographer and director was the lead dancer, and Ron Lewis was the choreographer who has done Liza's act mm-hmm. and her Broadway show, and I don't know, I did shows with him in Vegas, et cetera, et cetera, at the Radio City Music Hall, yeah. whatever. And I've then, had a varied career. And yeah. then after Latin Quarter, though, was no strings. Yes, and that was amazing, you know, and they... They say, you know, the first day we rehearsed at a place down on 2nd Avenue across from where Stomp is. It's now, I think, NYU. And it used to be upstairs, I think, over Ratner's, which was the famous Jewish deli. Mm -hmm. And there were studios up there. I did two shows rehearsed there. And they said, you know, the first day, dress up, look cute in case somebody catches you in a photograph. So, you know, you're all dressed up. And you're there. And there's Diane Carroll Mm. and Richard Kiley. Mm. Talk about Starstruck. And Alvin Epstein. And 
the girl dancers and the boy dancers and Joe Layton, who directed and choreographed, yeah. and Peter Matz, who was the musical director, mm-hmm. and then who did Carol Burnett and Barbara Streisand specials, oh, yeah. everything. And here's Richard Rogers sitting at a piano going, and then in this scene, you'll hear this song. And it was like, oh, my God. Oh, that's you know, that's wow, amazing. and it was like, uh, okay, you know. <laughs> and this show, for our listeners, is Richard Rogers' first show after Hammerstein passed away, and he wrote right. the music and the, and lyrics, the lyrics for this yes. show. The only yeah. show he wrote. Yeah, the yeah. I left after six months. Uh, that was sixty-two. I think I went to Vegas or something. I'm not really sure. Sometimes chronologically. I think I went to Vegas and did a show with Matt Maddox, and I was the only boy from New York, mm. and there were like four or five men from L.A., and they flew us to Paris to rehearse because they made the costumes there. And all the girl dancers who were English or Welsh or Scottish were in this guy's line of girls and all the showgirls. Wow. wow. So they made all, you know, so I was like, oh, Paris, this is cute. I'm French, you know. And we went to Vegas. And the music was done by, at the Dunes, by Michelle Legrand. Oh. Oh, my. And Matt Maddox choreographed it. You know, and I hated Vegas. So, again, I'm a gypsy. I went back to New York. And I did my second Broadway show, which was Ron Field, his first, called Nowhere to Go But Up. Written by... uh, James James Lipton Lipton wrote the the lyrics and the book. It was directed by Sidney Lumet, who never should have ever gotten his hands on a Broadway musical. Film director Sidney Lumet. Yes. Amazing. He should stick with gritty cop dramas like Serpico, etc. Yeah. yeah, he did Serpico, Dog Day yeah. Afternoon, Network, all and the here big... here he is doing Nowhere to Go But Up. <laughs> yeah, which is about hooch and gangsters yeah. and dance hall girls. It was, it a, it was a Prohibition era yeah. musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no singers, eight male dancers and 16 girls. Uh, I loved the show. You know, it starred Dorothy Loudon. Tom Bosley and Martin Balsam, Ron Field choreographed it and was assisted by, guess who? Michael Bennett. Michael wow. Bennett. Wow. Uh, and, you know, we played Philadelphia and I can't remember. Oh, Boston. I, no, we didn't play Boston. Anyway, um, you know, we played nine days at the Winter Garden. And that was it. The Times, if I remember correctly, the Times said nowhere to go but up. And so, <laughs> wow. So I called Ron Field and I went, I am so pissed off. I'm so upset. Because you, d- he did such a brilliant job. He was wonderful at stylized movement. Yeah, thirties, forties, fifties. You know, each one of those eras had a certain sensibility and a type of movement. And so, a couple of months later, he said, "Guess what? I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to choreograph the Casino de Paris show, and I need an assistant. You want to go? It'll pay the equivalent to three hundred dollars in French francs every week." And it's like, "Yep, I'm there." Huh. You know. So I went to Paris, and I met someone that Ron introduced me to, an American person who was a dance expatriate dancer living there. And I, it's like, okay, and I'm French, and, and it's Paris, and I'm in love, and I'm going to stay. And so they put me in the show as a lead dancer, and uh, my partner and myself were able to do TV shows during the day and still do the show at night. And so um, I did shows with Petula Clark. Oh. I got pictures. Josephine Baker, choreographed by Jeffrey Holder. Wow. And all these French, you know, uh, Francois Dauriac, who was the sister who died very young of Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, on the steps of Sacre Coeur in your underwear, on a train out, you know, whatever. Wow. You know, these funny TV shows, you know, and then came back to New York with the Minsky Follies. The Minsky Follies? Yes, as the lead, one, the only male dancer, again, in my G-string, and a male <laughs> production singer, and, and you know, six showgirls, six dancers, one of which is the original Tits and Ass Girl. Oh. You know, and uh, we played a few places. And uh, and then I ended up, Ron said, you know, I'm doing a new Broadway show. You want to do it? And it was like, okay. And it was Golden Rainbow with Stephen Eady. Stephen Eady, yeah. The Stephen Eady. The Stephen Eady, which was a very long-running flop at the Schubert. And it was a hit only because when the curtain came down, they all let us go to our dressing rooms. And Stephen Eady stayed on stage and did their Vegas act. So that's what kept the show going. <laughs> 
you know, they did their little banter and their zings. And so you you would sit through the show to get to the the club act. Well, I guess you know all, <laughs> all the groups of B'nai B'rith that came in from Long Island and all that stuff. You know, wow. So we, you know, and it got a good run, and we were at the Schubert. The, you know, the Schubert. Yeah. Now, before we go to Golden Rainbow, I have a question for you. Do you have any memories of working with Dorothy Loudon on Nowhere to Go But Up? We were just talking uh, about her yesterday. She was cool. She was cool. I, I you know, Dorothy Loudon was Dorothy Loudon. Uh, by the way, the original leading lady, Bert Convey, was the young leading man who had been in cabaret and went on to game show fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his leading lady originally was Louise Lasser. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Right. <laughs> and Woody Allen. And she was sort of frayed around the edges. So when we got to Philadelphia, there was no more Louise Lasser. She was replaced by little old Marianne Mobley, who would not say shit if she had a mouthful. <laughs> so too sweet and too cute. You just Proper. die from diabetes. You know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I liked Dorothy. And then later when I was living in L.A., I came through New York and saw a production of uh, Ballroom, yeah. which I thought oh, yeah. was... Michael did, and there's all these old dancers without their toupees and out of the woodwork, and which gives me this extraordinary sense of pride, you know, having been part of that world, you know, for so long. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy Loudon was so good because she wasn't doing Dorothy Loudon's shtick. She was, she was really acting, you know, and that one song, do you know this? 50%? You know this 50%. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, yep. Just fabulous, fabulous songs. A lot of recordings of that. We'll post that as well for our listeners to take a look at. Yeah. Um, Now, talking about recordings, uh, Golden Rainbow performed Mm -hmm. at the Tony Awards that year, and it's it's the opening number of the Tony Awards. I think nineteen sixty still out there in the the air in the internet. And it's no nineteen sixty eight. I have seen it, and so my question is, where are you? I'm featured with Kelly Bishop. Kelly Bishop, a chorus line, and well, yeah, she did. Well, I knew her when she was Carol Bishop. Carol Bishop. She was right. in Vegas at the Dunes when I was in the casino show. She was in the lounge show. Are you are you the the dancer with the midriff? Yeah, that's you. That's more. <laughs> I mean, who else would wear red vinyl bell bottoms? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah. W- was working with Stephen Eady a, a nice experience? Yeah, for Yeah. I mean, she was cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, first of all, do you know Marilyn Cooper? Yes. Wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful. Best known from uh, Woman just, of the Year. Right. And she had just done um, Two by Two with Danny Kaye. Mm-hmm. Huh. Infamous. Yes, wasn't it? And she had <laughs> very little to say about him. But anyway, so Edie could not go on if she had a hangnail. She could, I could sing tonight. <laughs> and she was always, she had a hawk eye on Steve because she didn't want him messing around with any of the girls. Well, no court, yeah. So, Marilyn Cooper is only like four feet tall and she had curly black hair. She's the original one in West Side Story, by the way, who sang Puerto Rico, you lovely island, island of tropical breezes. That's Marilyn Cooper in the original. Did not remember that. So they'd get her. It was the 60s. So it was courage. So she had these white vinyl boots with the tight tops with the heel. And a, and a, a courage mini dress and a big fall and lots of bang bang eyelashes and all the makeup and stuff and a white mink coat down to here and she went on for Edie opposite Steve. That's amazing. Yeah, and I mean we did the opening number at the Tonys, you know, and we were rehearsing and Angela Lansbury was the hostess. Okay, I almost knocked Paul Newman over running backstage. Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, Audrey Hepburn, Marlene Dietrich, you know, all these people, you know, and one of the dancers and I went behind the back wall, you know, the lights were up and they were rehearsing and uh, went behind the back wall where you stand for standing room only. And we were sitting and we looked down, and right against the back wall was this person with their foot up on the seats and a huge bag and this enormous mirror and this pot of brown stuff, putting their finger in it and going, tapping the end of their nose. I thought, what? The, you know, it was Carol Channing putting brown at the end of her nose to make it look short. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. Shading her nose. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so after. 
Golden Rainbow. I can't remember what the next is chronologically. Did Dear you? World. Dear World. Yes. Great score. Okay. This is one Speaking of the big of My first Broadway show, first of all, when they announce your name, you're standing on stage, you know, and they know you that you you know that they wanted only six male dancers in no strings, you know. And you've got like ten boys lined up. So it really was window, like a, that have windowed down to whatever. And it really is like I, a chorus line. I mean they really did line yeah, you up yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then they go, uh, you and you and you and you and you uh, step forward please the rest of you thank you <gasps> and then and then you realize you got it you know your first broadway show and it's just it's an amazing highlight mm. so this was another one so zorba the greek was going to happen with i can't remember was it anthony quinn who's going to star anyway herschel so, bernardi uh, i think sure i'm not exactly sure ron field so i went to the audition Again, at a theater, not in a studio. And, you know, I dancing and so forth. And they were going to call people back for singing. And where all the boys are on stage. And Ron is demonstrating a step. And, you know, we're doing it. And he said, by the way, he said, I hope you understand. I mean, because we're friends. You know, I did four shows with him. And I assisted him twice in Paris and then way back in Summerstock. And so... He said, I can't really fight for you because Hal Prince has just gotten back from Crete. And he wants short, sort of swarthy looking, you know. And I was 6'1", with hair your color, and I had ringlets. So I looked Hellenic, you know. I looked Grecian. And I went, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, hon. He said, but I tell you something. He said, there's only one other dancer better than you that's here today, and that's me, and I'm the choreographer. And I thought that was probably one of the best compliments I yeah. ever got. So in the next week and a half to two weeks, you head backstage. I knew that there were other auditions coming up. So I auditioned within the next two weeks for A Mother's Kisses, starring B. Arthur, Bernadette Peters, choreographed by Anna White, Golden Rainbow. She was sitting in the audience while that happened, and directed by Gene Sachs. Huh. I danced, I sang, I was cast. Then I went and I auditioned for Promises, Promises. Michael Bennett, of course. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Everybody I knew. Kelly Bishop, you know, Donna McKechnie, yeah. all these people, you know. Uh, that I knew, I danced, I sang, I was scared. Then I went and I auditioned for Donald Sadler, and uh, I danced, and I sang, and I was cast. Within about a week and a half That's to a good two week. weeks, and it's like, oh, shit. Now what do I do? Now I have to make up my mind. So that was just an extraordinary event. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's very reassuring, you know, to know that you must have something that they are willing to hire you for or pay you money for. Right. You know, because in this business, you're all, you know, it's like, where's your next job? And you always have doubts. So anyway, so I chose Dear World, which was lovely, lovely, you know, that's how I played the colonial, you know, with Donald Pippen, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, Pamela Hall, who's over at St. Luke's, who's still around. And uh, yes, please eat that because... And, uh, Lauren's put out a lovely spread for us, by the way, so you might hear I'm munching throughout. I'm constantly yes. eating it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling them to go ahead and eat it so I don't spread. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, we rehearsed and, uh, you know, we, we played. I think we, we did play the Colonial. I don't remember where else we played. Anyway, Jerry Herman did fabulous music, yep. you know. Fantastic Wonderful, sport. wonderful, beautiful music, except sort of for the title song, which is Dear World. Anyway. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and we sort of, that. we previewed, previewed folks, for all of you who don't know, means that you rehearse all day long while you're in New York City for a certain amount of hours, and then you have to be set free so you can wash your face and take your shoes off and have something to eat, and then go back to the theater and do the, another version of the the number that you've been rehearsing all day that night in a show, you know. So, like, you'd be doing the new version during the day, but then yeah, you you're rehearsing a new version that's going to go in like three or four days later. Mm -hmm. wow. And so, wow. that's, you know, so you're, you're previewing, not opening. So, we previewed for, I think, probably about a month. And then we opened, and then we played for about, I guess, a month and a half or something. And people go, nah, it was a flop. I don't think so. It was artistically, everybody loved it, and Angela won another Tony. Yeah. And, 
who kn whoever knows why, you know, shows don't make it. But Angela Lansbury, Jane Cannell, Carmen Matthews, um, Milo O'Shea, Jerry Herman, uh, Joe Layton came in and took over directing and choreographing, you know. Why were there so many changes? What, what wasn't working that needed to I be fixed? I don't know. Well, my, this is just the theory of my observation. Lucia Victor was the original directress of Dear World, and the choreographer was Donald Sadler, who already had a track record. So Lucia Victor was Gower Champion's right-hand man slash lady. She could recreate Hello Dolly, 42nd Street, whatever for Beijing or Kathmandu or whatever, down to the last hand movement perfectly. But I don't think she actually had the imagination to come up with the inspiration to direct. And it, you know, we're playing the Mark Hellinger, which is now a church. Mm -hmm. Damn it. And, uh, which is one of the most spectacular theaters, like the Colonial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I just don't think she had the know-how to do that. So they fired her and Donald Sadler. And one of the Peters, I think it was Peter Glenville, came in English. And he worked with Angela, Carmen, Jane, Milo. And in the chorus, it's like, get over there. It's like, okay. We had, you know, we just kept doing the same old thing and singing rehearsals and whatever. And so um, then Joe Layton came in, and he was going to direct and choreograph. And um, Dear World is based on uh, The Mad Woman of Chaillot by Hanoui, I'm not sure, or Giradou. Anyway, and it's a charming little play. It's intimate. It's charming about these three crazy ladies and their garbage man. And all of a sudden, we went to Vegas, and we had dream ballets oh. and costumes and... You know, and I just think it got to, one of the things was it got too big. Anyway, so yeah. dear world, thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, Ron Field. Hey, Lawrence, why don't you come on over and be in the chorus of applause and understudy Dwayne, the hairdresser, confidant. It's like, okay. So off I went, you know, and I understudied. And the guy who was doing it, uh, Tom Rolla, who lives out in California, who runs a fabulous restaurant called Gardenia, which is also a supper club. Ooh. <laughs> lovely guy. Lovely. Anyway, he did Dwayne. He was leaving. So I took over. I was doing understudy rehearsal. All of a sudden, I took over the role. So I'm playing Duane, the gay confidant hairdresser in applause. I played it for a week with Ann Baxter, who was larger than anything. Can tell you stories later after I shut up. And I played it with Arlene Dahl. And uh, and that was at uh, the palace. And so anyway, uh, I played it and I played that role until, oh gosh, sort of petered out. I mean, it was time. It had played for a long time, and it ran its course and, you know, had a good show, good, a good ending. Now, what, a, what a lucky, lucky career. My gosh. Oh, it ain't, it ain't over yet. You know? uh, oh, no, yeah. it ain't over yet. Now, On the Town? You went to On the yeah. Town at some point, the revival? Yes, the first revival. Yeah. You know. With, who was it, Bernadette With Peters? Bernadette Peters, uh, um, Donna McKechnie, Miss Turnstiles. And Phyllis Newman, um, uh, let's see, Ramak Ramsey, I think Bill Gerber, uh, you know, Compton and Green were sort of wandering around out in the lobby and, you know, whatever. And Ron Field choreographed it. And uh, thank you, Bob Mackey, you know, extraordinary costumes, mm. you know. And I was featured again. I was featured in the big subway ballet. And then at the end, I was the guy who sang... Uh, you know, the song about Miss Turnstiles yeah. doing, you know, Cooch and Coney Island. You know, so I, I was never a star, but I had oh, yeah. good bits and parts and all that, you know. It's like one of the girls who came to the Colonial thing said, well, I didn't know you sang like that. It's like, yeah, Eileen, I've always sung like that. Yeah. You know, I always had a big voice. Anyway, so yeah, on the town, again, pff, it didn't run. No. And uh, what the hell happened? Oh, then, uh, you know, lots of TV, Ed Sullivan, really nice stuff, really embarrassing things with Tiny Tim and Miss Vicky. What? You know, and, what did you, what did you do with Tiny Tim, Tim and Miss Vicky? Oh my God, they had just gotten married and we were in suits with those fake plastic straw hats with red 
with American flags running back and forth behind Miss Vicky and Tiny Tim. And <gasps> don't ask. <laughs> anyway, you know, sitting on a bale of hay, swaying back and forth with a cardboard cutout, you know, fence behind you, behind Dale Evans and Roy Rogers humming to Happy Trails to Is you. <laughs> and then uh, I, I, this is this is amazing to me. And I'm assuming you did a lot of f- film and TV in the 70s, right? A lot of film work. Uh, not really, no, because I was living in New York. You know, were you in Mame? Did I make that up? Yes. No, no, no. I was in Mame. I. Uh, this is another weird story. I when I did Anne Margaret's act, we did Ron Field. Uh, one of the parts we did was the Lady in Red, and I played. Melvin Purvis, the head guy in the FBI, who shot John Dillinger. Yeah. Okay, that was part of the nightclub act that we did with Bob Mackie costumes and whatever. So Anne Margaret was going to do a TV special, and she had fallen by then and had that terrible accident. And she was back, you know. And so Roger called me, and he said, can you come out? He said, nobody can do that walk that Ron did for you with the two guys behind me. Nobody can do the Melvin Purvis walk like you can. Will you fly out and do it? We'll fly you out. We'll pay you, you know, X number of TV contract dollars for three or four days. Sure, I'm free. Why not? Mm-hmm. So they flew me out, and uh, you know, and we started. We started to rehearse, and uh, one of the dancers in the chorus was Terry Gar, and so <laughs> she was a dancer. You know, you got to hand it to us. And so we did that, and um, I knew that. Anna White was out there, and she was working on Bane. So I called Anna. I went, hi, hon. I'm in L.A., you know, just doing this. And she went, oh, my God, I need somebody your age to dance with Lucy who won't make her look like she's dancing with her, you know, her grandson. It's like, okay. And they were all, there was a contract group that were dancing on a soundstage, and somebody was a dance-in for Lucy, and then Lucy would come, and she'd teach her. You know, she was lovely, Lucy. And uh, so in the opening number... It's today? You got it. When you see a hand taking your armpit and sitting her on that plexiglass tape, the piano, and she puts her arm around two heads, the one on... If you look at the screen, the one on your right, that's me. And so she was sitting there one day, you know, on a break, and they were changing lights and stuff and i was sitting by her and she said oh she said by the way i went to the rushes this morning you know the dailies and she said you look great in your close-up and i thought oh my god lucille ball is telling you i love lucy she's telling me i look great in my close-up and then you went into evita then i went into evita larry fuller no actually i did ginger rogers act Oh, she had done. I did Raquel's act. Okay, and when I was doing Raquel's act, we we did Around the World, which is fabulous. Thank you again, Bob Mackey, yeah. and the Ruffle Sleeves. And so when I was doing her act, Anna White called me and said, "We're doing an act for Ginger Rogers. Are you free?" And I went, "No, I'm so sorry, I can't do that. You know, I'm busy." And so uh, then later she called and somebody called and said, listen, um, we're getting rid of the four boys. We're getting rid of the big Latin number and we're going to do one big pastiche and we're going to use one boy. Are you interested? I went, yeah, I'm free. So I went over and I did a few moves with Ginger. I mean, who you and, watched wow. in the movie theater as a child. There I mean, you go. Yeah. There's all these connections, you know, Sonia Henney, Carmen Miranda and whatever. So, and they liked me, and the musical director was a nice guy, and it was uh, Anna White, you know. And so I went with Ginger to one of her fittings at Jean-Louis, who was famous. And so, you know, it was just, I got to sing a song that Fred Astaire sang to her in a movie. Wow. Change Partners. You know, must you dance every dance? So I sang that song, and out she came in all her pink loveliness with the feathers. And you wonder how come Fred Astaire was always going... Because there were feathers in his mouth. But anyway, and again, you know, I played the palace with applause. And then here I am as part of the star act, White Tie and Tails, singing a song on stage as the star act at the Palladium in London. You know, and somebody said, Mr. Merritt, you want the stage door? I go to the stage door. There's Larry Fuller, who I talked to yesterday. And I said, what the hell are you doing here? He said, well, I knew you were with Ginger. And he said, I knew you were closing, you know, a couple of days. And he said, I knew that you'd be here, you know. I said, what are you doing in London? He said, well, 
I've exchanged my flat in in uh, New York with this chap in in London, and I have his car. I said, well, "What?" And he said, "Well, I'm here doing research on a new musical that I'm going to be doing with Hal Prince, based on the life of Ava Perón." Avita. Yeah. Avita. So I ended up going to L.A. for Ice Capades. I did Raquel's act. I did Ginger's act. Came back. Larry Fuller, Evita had played in L.A. as an out-of-town tryout, uh-huh. big success on Broadway with Patti LuPone oh, yeah. and all that. Larry Fuller called me and said, I want you to be the lead dancer in Evita. You won't have to audition. Just come in the afternoon at 1 o'clock. The boys will audition in the morning at 10. They'll go have lunch. You don't have to wear dance clothes. Just look cute. You'll meet the musical director. Who's that? Renee Wiegert. I think he had been the musical director for Pippin, so mm-hmm. he knew who I was. And you'll meet Hal. Okay. And so the boys, you know, boys line up next to Lawrence. And according, you know, so it's like... Well, this this feels really good, you know. <laughs> so we went into rehearsal with Lonnie Ackerman and Scott Holmes, who went back into soap operas, I think, and um, John Cipher, who was a trained opera singer who was did TV, and he who, was the uh, prince in the Cinderella movie. Yeah, he was the uh, in the Rogers and Hammerstein, and he yes, did a Broadway was. show. He did Big on Broadway. Too. Oh, yeah, right. it was the Boston good Big, memory, yeah. Larry, yeah, yeah. And I got you know, I had hurt my knees in Vegas doing that show at the casino, doing a big Russian number when all the people wanted to do is see the showgirls' tits, you know. And uh, then finally in the Vita, it really tore, and they went, I'll just be leaving stage now. And so then a few days later, they operated on me, and uh, I tore the cartilage. They fixed it, and a few months later, I went back into the show. And back into Evita. Do Evita, yeah. And then the understudy girl, I did the tango, uh, if you know the show. I was one of the two gauchos, slouchos, we call ourselves. (laughs) And I understudied Magaldi. But you were just known primarily as a... What? Known primarily, though, as a dancer, yeah, but you had this great voice. But a dancer on you. who sang. Because you know, a lot of dancers, it's like, oh, you can carry a tune. Okay, fine. You know, but, but yeah. actually, I did do understudies and solos and whatever, you know. And, and so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, then once the 80s came and a lot of those big musicals didn't require so much dance anymore, like you had the Les yeah. Mises and the yeah. Phantoms and stuff, what were you up to at that time? The 80s. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I got hurt on stage in 1981. That was Evita. Yeah. Well, how did you get hurt on stage? Uh, the understudy girl went on one night, and Larry had choreographed in the the, the, the benefit performance, you know, Mario and Margarita. Uh, I, there was a lift where I was supposed to lift her all the way up, her feet up towards the ceiling and her head here. And the understudy girl, we had done it a couple of times, but she made a wrong move. And it tore the hell out of my upper back. Oh. And so, I, okay, thank you very much. I'll just take a workman's comp settlement. And uh, I have a partner that I'm catering with, and I'll just go cater. So, Got I'll, it. And then when did your car accident happen? So uh, two years later. So I was, we were catering and doing well. We were on the, we did a, several parties for uh, Kayla, Kayla Champion, who was the second wife of Gar, uh, Gower Champion. Okay. And we catered Lee Remick's birthday party and catered some stuff for Lucia Victor, who was oh, putting yeah. together yet another production of 42nd Street for someplace. As she does. And uh, so I choreographed a local production of uh, Guys and Dolls, and then I did uh, Student Prince. So Sunday matinee, party afterwards up in the hills, lots of dope, lots of scotch. Uh, don't do that anymore. I'm an artiste now. Anyway, and so I said to my partner, I, you know, I can't drive. Can you drive? Yeah famous last words. So I went and got in the car. I either fell asleep or passed out. Doesn't matter. I remember the next thing. I was laying in the middle of Fountain Avenue in LA, which is a sort of go-to street to get from one end to the other, which is like 13th Street or 12th Street out here. And I sort of came to with like people all around me and lights and it was paramedics. And I ended up being taken to two hospitals. The first one The emergency room was full, and I went to L.A. County General, which is worse than any ER room hospital you can imagine on TV. And there was a lovely young lady who was a liaison, and she said, I think I can get you into this facility down in Anaheim called Rancho Los Amigos. And I had suffered a spinal cord injury due to an old dance injury in my neck. So, So... 
you know, I uh, they schlepped me down by ambulance, and uh, I laid in bed for two weeks doing everything you need to do, everything, you know. And um, they came in and said, you know, we think we need to fuse your neck so that you, if you have another accident, you won't be paralyzed from the neck down. Okay, you sure? Yeah. So two weeks later, they took a piece out of my hip and they fused four vertebrae in my neck. And they said, you'll either be in a halo with the screws, you know, or you'll be in a hard, you know. Yeah. So I wore a hard body brace for four months wow. and polio braces on my legs and crutches. And they said three months. And I went, really? Watch. And two months later, I left the wheelchair at the hospital. Oh, my God. And a week later, my partner and I were catering uh, a party out in Cucamonga at some ranch or something. So, whatever, you know. Jeez. And, you know, I, many people say, you know, when something like that happens, it's like, oh, you have another chance at life. It's wonderful. You can make it count. And, and it sounds like a lot of psychobabble, happy horseshit. It's really true, you know. And I've never been one to mope and whine. I still don't. I don't think it gets you anyplace. I can't do what I did at 23, and I walk with a cane now, but I'm still doing stuff. And I stay busy, you know. And uh, if I'm in a room full of horseshit, then there's got to be a pony someplace. What a great way of looking at it. Well, I mean, there's just, you know, it doesn't get you anyplace, you know. And I have what I have, and I'm I'm lucky. I mean, the career that I had when I left that day to come to New York City, I've had a career that I could never even have dreamed of. Mm. You know, I've been places. I was one of the stars of the, you know, the Apple Orchard Kid. I'm in a blue satin G-string swimming in a plexiglass pool that came up on an elevator as one of the stars of the Moulin Rouge. Hello? I'm at the Casino de Paris in Paris which is old and famous and still going, by the way, as the Folie Bergère was, doing the can-can, you know. So I played the Palace, I played the Palladium, I played Toilets in Barcelona, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think um, the title you know, of the autobiography should be The Apple Orchard Kid. That'll be the subtitle. I already have an or I have You already a, have a title? I have a title, but you, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, my God. God. Okay, well, at least we have the subtitle. Right. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, of all the choreographers you worked with, who would you say is your favorite? Probably Ron Field. Yeah. He did so much for you, too. Yeah, and his, I mean, as a member of the board of Dancers Over 40, I could say, you know, we've done Joe Layton, we've done Bob Fosse, we've done Michael Kidd, we've done, you know, whatever. We need to do Ron Field, you know. It's like, who's Ron? You ask young dancers, and they go, Ron who? Yeah. They don't know who that is. They know who Michael Bennett of is. Of course, yeah. You know? I mean, Ron Field won a Tony for Cabaret. Yeah. And he won two Tonys, one for directing and choreographing. Applause. Mm-hmm. He did Zorba. So we ended up doing a whole night that I spearheaded with a video intro by Hal Prince. Oh, and yeah. then the opening number of Cabaret on the 1967 Tonys. Oh. And the girl who helped me, who assisted him, five girls from the original on chairs and two boys in front of the screen doing the number. <gasps> Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really And then amazing. we had the tape, Joel Gray accepting his Tony Award. And out comes Joel Gray. Mm-hmm. That's special. And Harvey Evans and I interviewed him. That's great. You know, then we had second half, we had Mars Champion talking about Academy Awards, which I never knew he had done. He did a number four. Mars Champion, Jane Powell, Ann Miller, Debbie Reynolds, Catherine Grayson, Esther Williams, Ooh. Annie Miller, Howard Keel. In all these fabulous dresses on the number, Coward Keel singing to these ladies, you know, and wow. TV shows. And so here's March Champion. We talk video, talk to her. Out comes Sandy Duncan and Don Correa. Mm. They did TV shows with him that he did numbers for them that were spectacular. You know, Ca- and then one more. <laughs> then we ended up Ben Vereen. He did a, oh. an Emmy Award winning mm. TV special for Ben Vereen. Wow. And the last one was Donna McKechnie, who I had done on the town with. Yeah. And he had done a TV show for her, you know, and she sang a couple of songs from On the Town that she does in her act. And, How and there's sweet. a picture of Ron Field, and we all went, you know. So. How sweet. Can Amazing. you tell our, our listeners, Amazing. some dancers might know, but some people don't know what Dancers Over 40 is. And can you just give us a little. Well, like, a lot of people take exception to the name. And everybody goes, we need to change the name because it's like, but, I'm but, and I'm still but honey, you're 68. 
you take exception to dancers over 40. Dancers over 40 was started, I think, about 20 years ago by five dancers and went, you know, we really need to sort of get together and probably pass on some of our knowledge, lore, whatever, you know, because it's, it's taught in schools and colleges and whatever, and it's taught by people who teach well, you know, but have not done it, you know, and if you've done it, you know what it's about. Way you know different. you don't just put a costume on and go out and look cute. Yeah. You know, you sweat, you sprain your ankle, you tear your knee. So Dancers Over 40 is to support dancers. Most of the members are Broadway people. Mm-hmm. But we have modern people, tap people, mm-hmm. Radio City Music Hall. Been there, done that. Uh, yeah. Four shows a day. Yeah. Whoa. Yes, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Thank you very much. It's a factory, you know. Love it. Amazing. And I did a hard number with yellow lame, gold lame bell bottoms <laughs> with, with big circular cutouts on the buns. Yeah, Cute. you did. And, you arm, still keep, and armbands. Do you still keep these outfits? No, you don't get to keep the outfits, How but I got you? pictures. That's pictures are worth a thousand words. They're right there beside you. I got both of my scrapbooks out. Oh my you gosh! Can look at them or throw them off the balcony. No, I uh, I think we we will stop now because I am okay. so curious. I need to take a look at some of these photographs. Uh, done, and maybe we'll get to steal. We'll take a picture of a couple of them. Oh, I hope. Them. I hope. You can. There were two black books right there. From oh the my time gosh. I was seventeen in you know in the summer stock on the beach in Kenny Bunkport. Amazing. Lawrence, the, too oh, cute, you know. <laughs> too cute, still cute, still cute. Semi cute, still cute. <laughs> Trust me, as long as I keep getting those knit ties, thank still you. cute. <laughs> Lawrence, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you so much for taking thank the you. time out. Thank you yeah, so much. thanks. Join us next week when we interview the amazing Bruce Yecko, who holds the Guinness Book of World Records for having produced more original cast recordings than any other individual. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying The Quiet Part Out Loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.